What up, what up, what up? Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Impact Sports Podcast. My name is Chris Asbrock, and I am your host this this episode, basically. We are down in the basement of my colleague, Nick Cimino's house. Nick is joining me here. Nick, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing great, Chris. Doing great. See, that's what I like there. We are now in the midst of NFL free agency. Now, this is a podcast we've been wanting to wanting to record for a while. It's just it's kind of worked out though. It's taken this long because now you know we're we're sitting down here watching you know watching some Sports Center, going between that and NFL Network, drinking a few natties, you know, on a couple recliners, and boom, this is we're living the dream right now. And we're in the middle of the coronavirus. Hey, that it is. It's. Uh, Definitely, this is a new experience for all of us, and you know it's something I never thought I would experience. And obviously, I know you would feel the same way. But absolutely, uh, yeah. Hopefully, everybody you know is you know staying safe and and you know and safe and healthy with you know with the family and friends and everything like that. So and as hard as it is, as they talk about social distancing, please, everyone, please advise that it definitely will work. Please stay indoors. Don't go out if you don't have to. If you need to go to the grocery store, do it. But Please try to stay in your house. You know, we, we need to flatten the curve, and we'll get through this. I mean, we're too many good countries out there that are looking to, to stop this, and we'll get through this. I mean, we'll definitely get through this, and we'll be stronger for it afterwards. You got that. All right. It's very well said. And you know what? We are here to help you get through that, at least for, you know, for however long it takes us to record this, because we are going to discuss the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, Obviously, last season did not go the way we wanted. Uh, it was one of those seasons to where, you know, we 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 kind of went back and forth, you know, each day, uh, especially after each game, on how we felt about you know about the season. You know, two and fourteen wasn't exactly what we were hoping for, but you know, I still don't think it was as bad as you know as it really came out. You know, in terms of what we were looking at, but. Two and fourteen is two and fourteen. And now we've secured the number one, uh, the number one pick in the in the upcoming draft. Whenever that'll be, uh, looks like hopefully they're not going to be delaying it. In terms of you know, from what we've seen right now, nothing that we've seen indicates that they're going to delay it, which no. is good. Uh, but you know, it all and it's all signs have pointed towards the Bengals taking Joe Burrow, or as I refer to him as JFB. And he is, I mean, he's, I've been on the Joe Burrow bandwagon and Nick knows this since I would say what, September, probably September, October. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. I've been, you know, I've been going all out for, you know, for JFB the whole time. And, and now obviously, like I said, it's, it's looking like the Bengals, that's where they're going to head. And, uh, in terms of drafting Burrow at number one, but here's the thing I want to get into in this, in this first segment here is the narrative with the Cincinnati Bengals nationally has been one that has been very negative for I mean I don't know if it's I'm, I mean I'm trying to remember you know when we took Carson Palmer with the first overall pick you know since you know every like the national narrative with the Bengals kind of seemed to to take a step back and not be as hardcore you know negative negative wise you know is what we're seeing again now it's you know it's firing back up and you know what you know you got guys like you know Dan Patrick who 
you know, is a Mason guy, you know, Cincinnati guy. And, you know, I, I know, you know, my father-in-law, he, you know, he played basketball with him in high school. And, you know, he, it's, you know, he, he's a Cincinnati guy and he's still out there, you know, with that negative, you know, that just that, ah, just the negative energy just being sent. It seems like towards the Bengals and, and, and where it's headed. And I, I don't get it. I mean, what I know we talk about every day, you know, we, we talk every day after work. Yep. And we, it's, you know, if people could just record or hear our conversations about what we talk about in terms of, of football and the Bengals, period, it's like, I mean, you know, I was, I was living a couple of times, you know, when I would call you about. Oh, absolutely. When, when it started with Carson Palmer going on. And speaking with Solomon Wilcox, talking about how he thinks that Joe Burrow, they he'll be essentially being ruined by going to the Bengals. But I, we always talk back and forth, and how the Bengals will ruin Joe Burrow's career is is beyond me. I mean, Carson Palmer had a great career for the Bengals. He did nothing but positives. He went to playoffs three, maybe maybe four times with the Bengals. Probably would have won the Super Bowl in two thousand five if he doesn't get taken out um, in the knee. And, you know, with that play right there with the Chris, to Chris Henry in the game, they probably win the Super Bowl that year. They were the best team in football that year. They were 12-4. and four. They were on fire. Nobody wanted to play us. The Steelers came in essentially thinking they were going to lose that game, and boom. But how we're going to ruin his career? So Carson leaves town because he forces his way out. As much as people don't want to believe it, his wife didn't want to be in Cincinnati anymore. She was tired of the negative that people were getting on Carson all the time and everything like that. So he leaves, forces his way out. They bring in Andy Dolan. I haven't seen hair no hair no tear of how Andy Dalton's career has been ruined. Andy Dalton's been phenomenal. He holds pretty much every Cincinnati Bengal record. Went to went to the playoffs five straight years. So how do we ruin his career? How do we ruin Carson's career? So we've actually made quarterbacks better and made them look amazing. So I think Joe Burrow would come here and absolutely flourish here, especially with the roster we've now assembled offensively wise. That's what I. That's what drives me nuts about all of this. Is you know you. I, Colin Coward, um, like you said, you know, Carson Palmer, you know, Dan Patrick, the national media stating that the Bengals would would either one screw up the draft pick or you know, they would ruin Joe Burrow. How? And that's what I was trying to say, like, how? We haven't we uh, the Bengals don't have a track record of screwing up first round pick like any of, of any player. Now, the Cedric O'Boyhe, they didn't screw him up. They had a plan for it. It didn't work out. He didn't live up to his the expectations that he had. And there's two other teams in the NFL that see top-tier talent. Let's Jacksonville Jaguars took him right off our hands, no questions, signed him to a year deal, and he started nine games for them. So they saw top-tier talent to let him start. Maybe they were down guys, but he still started nine games. Okay, one-year contract's up, they let him go. No big deal. The Seattle Seahawks have now signed him. The Seattle Seahawks are a good team, a good franchise, coached by Pete Carroll, quarterback by Russell Wilson. They're not just going to bring in just anybody. They're going to look at the talent, they're going to look at the tape, and they're going to see what they see. And they've seen talent. So obviously we weren't the only ones that saw what we saw. Maybe this it didn't work out here because of the atmosphere. But you know what? The talent was there. Sometimes a, a new location works out for everybody, a.k.a. Ryan Tannehill. Exactly. And we saw what Tannehill look at. Look at Tannehill now. I mean, the dude just twenty-eight million dollars later. And he, man, he that, that guy, he making bank now. And it's the again, it's it's 
it it drives me nuts seeing what is being said about the Bengals. Now, when Joe Burrow came out at the uh, what Com- was combine. yeah the combine is where it was yeah I'm losing track of time here yeah at the combine and said basically you know he kind of called out the media stating that I never said any of this stuff you guys were putting this out there they took it and ran with it, it it's you know it kind of simmered down a little bit until this week during free agency and Boom. but but what did you tell me though this was the one thing you said and I couldn't agree with it anymore. And I, I, hell, I probably tweeted out a couple times. What did you tell me about the about the media and what nationally about the Bengals? The national media does not want the Bengals to be good. Bingo, that is it, and that, that right there says it all. They hate the fact. They hate the fact that the by bringing Burrow in, the Bengals now with the roster they've assembled, not the Bengals will be good now. They're a team that everyone says it. They will be good for a good ten years now with Burrow at quarterback. As long as they keep them there and we keep our good players. Look at the track record of us keeping our own free agents. We keep our good players and we pay them handsomely. A.J. Green, Andy Dalton. As much as people hate him, Vontez Burfecht. He got he, but Right before we released him, two years prior to that, we signed him to a three-year, $39 million deal. That's $13 million a year for a starting middle linebacker. The Bengals play their, pay their best players. So they're going to take care of Burrow. They're going to pay him handsomely, and he's going to be around for a while. They're going to be good for years to come, and the national media hates that because we're not a major market here in Cincinnati, and it basically eats at them. Do you think that the national media wanted the New England Patriots to be good when Tom Brady took over? No, they hated it. They did everything in their power to try to persuade it to make everything look otherwise. Oh, here's a six-round quarterback. You know what? They're not going to be any good, and they're not going to do any of this. But he got in there, he took over, and he became amazingly now. And But you know what? Then they, they learned to live with it, and you know what? They became the best team in the world. But when he first took over, the, they did not want the New England Patriots to be good. Uh, spot on. And that's just one thing that drives me up a wall. And, I mean, I can say it until I blew in the face, and, I, I mean, I know I have. about. I know I've tweeted out the national media and the narrative you know you see some of the people on NFL network you see them on ESPN you know CBS you know you name it it's just they just can't help themselves they have to come out there and bash the Bengals for you know just for everything even when the Bengals do something good they they find a way to to twist it and and not make it be worth anything and that I mean that I'm I'm sets, sorry. Set you off. It does. It all it, it goes right through me. It goes right through me. And I mean now you're looking at you know the free agency here, which like I said, you know the bank and I I'll be the first one to admit you know the bank I was when that when the tampering when the legal tampering AKA that the start of free agency Monday yeah Monday it's. So-called legal tampering, but free agency technically doesn't start until Wednesday. I call BS because, like you said, it starts Monday when they yeah. can legally tamper. You know, the Bengals were not – they weren't active at all. But they were being active. They were attempting to sign players that they really wanted. But they weren't going to overpay for those guys. They weren't going to go above and beyond to overpay. I mean, we can look – a.k.a. Joe Schobert. Joe Schobert was a great was – a, was a very good linebacker for the Cleveland Browns. Yeah. They were trying to sign him. They were working very diligently trying to sign him, along with Corey Littleton. They were trying to sign both guys. 
So what happens with that, those two gentlemen? They force the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Oakland Raiders to overpay it for both those players because the Bengals were doing everything in their power to sign them. So now you got competition. So those two teams, boom, over, overpay for them. So day one, the Bengals didn't do much, and Chris and I and myself were both, both irked. All right, the Bengals aren't doing anything. But then, you know what, all right, we, we, we both said to ourselves, let's take a step back. We'll see what they do during day two. But what happens on day one at the very end of the day, you go on Twitter. You get all the Bengals fans saying, all right, Mike Brown doesn't want to spend any money. He's cheap. He doesn't want to win. Well, you know what? It's the exact opposite. We talked to, I know Chris has talked about this on his podcast several times on his videos. Mike Brown isn't running this team anymore. It's He's not the guy. He's not the guy running this team. Katie Blackburn and her husband, Troy? Troy, yeah. Troy are now the Make ones. Make me think here. <laughs> yeah, and Troy are now the ones running this team because if, if it's not more evident from Tuesday then no one knows this team at all. You have no reason to speak of the Bengals because on Tuesday they go out and they sign the 15th best player on the free agent market with DJ Reader. They give him a four-year, $53 million a year. That's $32.5 million a year. That's amazing money. Then they go out and sign Trey Waynes to a three-year, $42 million a year. That's $14 million a year. Okay, these are great contracts. And everyone's thinking, well, Mike Brown will go out there and spend some money just so, you know, to appease the fans. Yes, they would do that. But what do they also do on that same day, which Mike Brown would never do? They go out and they cut two players. They cut B.W. Webb, and they also cut John Miller. Both those gentlemen will cause us to have dead money. And if most people don't know what dead money is, that's essentially money on your cap for players that are no longer on your team. Mike Brown is a guy who wants to win and he wants to make money, but he also doesn't want to just throw money away. And dead money is throwing money away. And exactly. if you don't know that, that means Katie knows that she's running the organization now. She's okay with the dead money because you know what? The dead money is better than paying a player who's not being successful on your organization. He's not really helping your team much anymore. B.W. Webb was a great was, – was not – you know, he did his, what, his best as he could. But is B.W. Webb a phenomenal player? Probably not. He's played on seven teams in seven years roughly or something like that. Yeah, that I, I don't have it in front of me, so I can't really uh... – I can't confirm nor deny that, but he's he's been on quite a few rosters in his year, and I mean, he just you know he's he's a stopgap player. He's he's, he's a guy. And like I said, he did a phenomenal job. For us. He played he played hurt. He played I was going to say he played he played with a one with one arm last can. season. Yeah. But when push comes to shove, and you want to be able to go up and against teams against Cleveland, Cleveland has some phenomenal receivers on their team. They have Jarvis Landry. They got OBJ. We go up against Baltimore now. Baltimore now has Hollywood Brown. They have probably uh, probably someone else in the draft. You got to be able to cover receivers. Pittsburgh has big your big guy there, Juju Smith Schuster, yeah. and they're going to go out and draft other players too. You got to be able to cover receivers. So what do the Bengals do? They go out and they sign Trey Waynes. Trey Waynes is a as much as people might think they get burnt. Yeah, of course, every cornerback gets burnt. If you don't think it's going to happen, yeah, you're lying to yourself. So yes, he gets occasionally burnt, but every cornerback does. But for the most part, he's a very solid, steady corner. He's been a Pro Bowler. He's a great player. He is someone that's going to come here for the next three years, and he's going to be great across the way from William Jackson III. These two guys will be able to be stop players. They will be able to cover corners. And then what do they do on day three of the draft? Who do they go out and get on day three of free agency? Mr. McKenzie Alexander from the Minnesota Vikings. Another Clemson star. Here's a guy <laughs> who's in 2019 did not miss one tackle. Yes, Repeat that. He did not miss one tackle. Yes, that is totally against the narrative of the Bengals because, yes, we do have problems from time to time with missing tackles. 
But here's a guy who does not miss tackles. So, yes, the Bengals went out and signed another player that has played on Mike Zimmer's defense. And everyone clamors for Mike Zimmer's defense. These guys both played on his team for a few years. So, obviously, Zimmer sees the talent, knows he can play can play defense, and play defense well. Why are they leaving this team right now? Because it was time for a change. These new scenery, new change. Mackenzie Alexander and Trey Wayne are both going to be great additions. Exactly. You know, I'm sitting here shifting in the... Uh you can probably hear it on the podcast here. I'm shifting to my uh, recliner. It's pretty nice. Um, you know, you 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 look at the you you look at the the way the secondary is now set up. The Bengals are the Bengals are in good shape. Right? You know, I I, I feel in that too, in too good of shape right now. I, we're, I, we're we're a man extra now. You know, and and here's the thing. Now, if you look at the comparison to. Um, Oh, the sound of a sweet natty. Um, you know, you look at the way the secondary is going to be, you know, set up for next year. I, I'm jacked. I mean, it's, you know, yeah, we we still need help defensively at the linebacker, linebacker position. Which can be addressed in the draft. Exactly. And, and it could technically still be a draft during free agency. There are a few guys out there we could go out. I mean, we could always bring Nick Vigil back, which I don't see happening because I think if Nick Vigil was going to come back, I think he would have already come back because he could have come back before free agency started because he's on our team, so he could have resigned. Um, I don't picture him coming back at this time. I think he'll go elsewhere, whether it be to another team or he may, you know, could be Canadian football, could be the XFL. I just think it's time for us to go different ways from Nick Vigil. But there are other linebackers out there right now in free agency that the Bengals could go out there and get and would be filling in right now. Right now, yes, we are, we look a little light in the in the linebacker position, but there's a lot of good linebackers in the draft, and I know for a fact the Bengals are going to address that, whether that be in round two, round three of the draft, but it's going to be addressed. But I mean, the back end of the, the back end of the team is very very solid right now with Sean Williams and Jesse Bates controlling the safety positions, as well as now Trey Waynes and William Jackson controlling the corners, and our slot corner will now become Mackenzie Alexander. Yes, we still do have Drake Kirkpatrick, and I know a lot of people do not like Dre. I, myself, personally, am not the biggest Dre fan. Chris knows that. Chris is, actually supports him a lot of time. And if you look at the stats, Dre's stats are very good. Well, what do I tell, what, have, what have I always said about Dre? He's he, a good, serviceable he's, he's consistent. corner. He's consistent. He's, yeah. He's that, consistent. Yeah. Everybody, everybody says he gets burnt. Well, okay, now people are complaining that Trey Wayne's getting burnt. So as, what's the narrative here? Every corner gets burnt. Okay, not every corner can keep up every play of the game. They're going up different receivers on different times when they switch things up. There's only a couple cornerbacks in the NFL that are true lockdown corners that follow receivers around the field. It's very far and few between nowadays. So one play, you know, Dre may be going up against OBJ. The next play he might be going up against... Jarvis Landry. The play after that, he might be going up against. Who's your guy from Colorado State on the team there? Higgins. Oh, Rashard Higgins. Higgins. A different receiver has a different skill set, has a different speed. That's going to change things up for the cornerbacks. So, yes, they're going to get burned from time to time. If you don't think every cornerback never gets burnt, you're lying to yourself. Exactly. It's, just, it's part it's of the part game. It's part of the game. I mean, every cornerback gets burnt. Go on. Go on. Look at the freaking stats. Me and Chris talked about Darius Slay the other day. Darius Slay just got just got traded to the Philadelphia Eagles from the Detroit Lions. Oh, he would have been fall. Oh, he would have been we, fun we, to have we here. Were, but... We were enamoring for him. And why did Darius Slay want out of Detroit? Does most people know why he wanted out of Detroit? 
Because not last year in 2019, but 2018 when Matt Patricia took over, Matt Patricia sat down with all of his defensive players and he told Darius Slay that he wasn't elite. Um, and most people might think, well, that's, a, that's you're disrespecting your player. I come from an area of upstate New York where sometimes the honest truth sometimes actually can make you a better person. You're an a-hole. And, yeah, you're, 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 you're an asshole. <laughs> you're an a-hole. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes you do that to get under someone's skin. He probably wasn't telling Darius Slade that he wasn't elite. He was probably telling him, you know, all right, I need to get a, you know, put a spurn under my best guy's player. I want to make him, you know, a better player. So I'm going to tell him something that's going to get him irked. You know what I mean? You know, really get him going. He wasn't it, saying to it, get him you, going. You motivate him by, by yeah. Less, but you know what? Honestly, I, you know what? It's go out there and prove that you're elite. But to the moral of the story is, go back and look at it. Darius Slay has been burnt plenty of times by receivers in the NFC North, whether that be Diggs or Thielen. He's been burnt. And he, now the NFL talks about him like he's the best cornerback in the NFL. He's been burnt several times. And if everybody wants to go back and let's talk about Stephon Gilmore, the cornerback from the New England Patriots, how he's the lockdown corner, he's the best cornerback in the NFL. Well, if he was the best cornerback in the NFL, why did the Bills let him go? Because the Bills let him go because they saw that a guy who was being burnt constantly in Buffalo. But he goes to New England, changes scenery, and he becomes a better player because coaching might be different. You know what? It might be just a, just a different feel for him. Everything looks – so it comes down to every cornerback gets burnt. It just has changed the scenery. It might work out for him. I have nothing but – Great feelings for Trey Wayne's coming here, as well as Mackenzie Alexander. I think they will be a great addition to the defense. The defense showed great signs of improvement the last eight games of the season. Am I right? Oh, I mean, it was. You look at the way the team, and unfortunately, I was I was trying to. I, I didn't get a an article out like I wanted to, basically grading the end of the season for the Bengals. But overall. I was hard pressed to give this team a failing grade in anything, really. I, from what I can remember. Now, you know, I'm just coming to buy this at the top of my head here. But like, you look when Andy played. You know, the team looked good. I, you know, they they played a lot different than, you know, than they did when. Uh, oh, what the heck was his name? Um, it was our quarterback, the uh, the backup quarterback. Nick, I need your help here. Oh, Ryan, uh, who's our backup quarterback this year? Oh, uh... Oh, crap. Uh, yeah, we drafted there. Yeah, I want to say Ryan. Um, Ryan Finley. Finley. I knew it. See, I knew it was a Ryan. But it was, I mean, obviously, he was, you know, who's a rookie. He was night and day, you know, having, you know, Dalton in there. But, you know, Dalton, you know what you're going to get with Andy Dalton. And, you know, the team overall looked completely – the defense played a lot better down the stretch. Absolutely. I mean, they were the Bengals were in some games that, let's be honest, that they should have won, I would say, in a couple of them. I Absolutely. mean, yeah, they finished 2-14, and 14, but at the Dolphins game, I think they I think they should have won that yeah, one. They came back. They were um, back. Yeah, I mean, there, there's – you know, you're not going to win. Obviously, you're not going to win every game. The Bengals obviously lost, you know, 14-16. to 16. Not what you are, you know, really shooting for when nothing was nothing wasn't the plan. Exactly, it, it was. It, I would say it wasn't in their cards. But here's the thing, though: the Bengals came out and said that they were going to. What did they say they were going to do? They were going to come out and make moves and spend in free agency. And what did they do? They came out and spent. They came out and they did. And here's the thing: I don't know if a lot of people saw this. Day one, when I was complaining. 
And hell, I even complained day two. I was complaining, you know, early on. I sent out that tweet saying, basically, you know what? I'm starting to get impatient. Yep. Let's get it going. But I didn't know. The day before, the Bengals were discussing DeAndre Hopkins with the Houston Texans. I they mean, were, they were one of the teams. Look at that. Have. I mean, that what could have been right there? I mean, you know, could they have dealt a geo on that one? I, I you, you don't know what you don't know what was obviously discussed, but when word came out that the Bengals were one of three teams in on DeAndre Hopkins, and they were in, they've been in on a lot of different guys. They may not have got every guys, but they've been in on a lot. That means they're trying to make the moves. Whether it have been Joe Schobert, whether it have been DeAndre Hopkins, whether it would have been. Corey Littleton, who went to end up going to the Raiders, but they were in on all these guys. But they were going to be strategic. They were going to make their moves. They weren't going to overpay. I mean, everyone's thinking, well, now Miami's saying that. I think, well, they probably pay, overpaid for Trey Waynes. Well, you know what? The going market for most players now is going to be more than most people think because, you know what? That's where the market's headed now. So, unfortunately, it might sound like a high number, but you know what? That's the number where it's at. That's what you're going to pay these guys, unfortunately. Well, here's the thing. How do we, like when we talked the other night about free agency, because we saw what, the Dolphins? Dolphins were out making moves. Mm-hmm. I mean. Tons. Which we'll, we'll talk about the Dolphins here in a minute. But Dolphins were out making moves and day one. And who else? The, Browns. the Cleveland Browns. The Browns. But here's the thing, though. The Browns, if you looked at all the contracts that they, they had. Over, they overpaid for Overpaid, everybody. exactly. There's there's a big difference between there. Every team has a certain way of doing free agency. And we talked about this on the phone was that when you, every team makes a phone call to a player to bring him in. And you have to give them a good reasoning behind why you want him to come here. If you want to look, for example, Miami. With Brian Flores, Brian Flores in Miami calls up the player and says, "All right, you know what? We're, you know we're a team that went, what they go five and eleven, maybe four and twelve this year. They call up a player. Hey, you know what? We how would you like? You know, this is Brian Flores, Miami Dolphins. Would you like to come play for the Miami Dolphins? You know, we're you know we're a rebuilding team, but we you know we're up on the uprise. You know, we have a lot of cap. You know, but." Players who they call are going to think in the back of their head, okay, I can go live in South Florida. South Beach, baby. South Beach. This is a great thing. South Beach. Besides South Beach, what else can we offer in Miami? Well, you know what? Florida offers no state tax. State tax, exactly. Huge. Absolutely huge. That's a great thing. And you know what? It's like, all right, you know what? They can offer me money. I can live in a state where there's no state tax. And I can go go live in South Florida. Who's going to say no? I don't care who you are. Most players are going to jump on board fast. Okay. So that's the Miami Dolphins. Okay, now we talk about the Cleveland Browns who you mentioned. Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browns have a different perspective of free agency when they call a player. All right, so Cleveland Browns, now Kevin Stefanski, you know, new, new head coach, has a lot of money at his disposal. They call a the player. Well, they can't really sell Cleveland on anybody. I'm sorry, Cleveland. <laughs> you know, it's a wonderful city. You have the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. You know, you got the Indians. You got the Cavs. Well, all right, well, LeBron's gone, so we don't have the Cavs anymore. But um, we... There's not too much to sell in Cleveland. There's really not much there. I'm uh, sure it's a wonderful city. I don't live there, but um, Cleveland's not much. So you know what? You know what a coach says when they call? How much money do you want? Exactly. We have Here's no, your we, blank check. We have you an fill open it checkbook. in. We have an open check. We're going to pay you what you want. So this player is going to do whatever he can to sell every dollar he can spend. So that's why the, the, the Cleveland Browns constantly – seem like they're a team that's very active in free agency. Of course they are, because they're giving top dollar to every player. If anybody in the NFL thinks Austin Hooper is worth four years 
and $40 million, $44 million a year, you are kidding yourself. Here's a guy that is not even close to Kelsey or Kittle. Not even in the same stratosphere as those gentlemen. And he's getting paid more than both of them. Exactly. I mean, that, I mean, I saw that, and that was one of the things that, you know, we, we had talked, like I said, you know, like I said, we talk every day after work. Always, you know, talking about, especially now, I mean. It was the Bengals until we had the coronavirus. Exactly. And then it was, you know, with the fact that we got no sports, we're, we're struggling. But thank God for free agency. Thank but God for the NFL. Thank God for a free agency in the NFL. But you you look at the way the way things are coming out here and the way, you know, the Bengals have always, you know, have traditionally not been active in free agency. And that's been, you know, that's been the thing. Last year was really the first year that we can remember in a while that they went out and made some moves. And they made moves as much as we hated them and as much as I'm sure everybody hated them. You got to look at it, and I thought about this, and I don't think I talked to you about this one, actually, so this is a good, good information. All right, here we go. Here's some new information. Okay, and as much as I mean I hated it, Zach Taylor came over very late last year. Yes. Because Zach Taylor came over after the Super Bowl. So, and then it took him forever to get a staff. So, it, there wasn't much time to really say, all right, where do we need spaces filled? So, what are you going to do? You're going to go out and sign guys you have familiarity with. So exactly. what did they do? They went out and they signed B.W. Webb, who the new our defensive coordinator had familiarity with. From Andrew Rubo, yep. Andrew had familiarity. Then we went out and signed everybody. You know, we re-signed Bobby Hart. Why, why did we go out and re-sign Bobby Hart? You know, he was there with Marvin. But why did we go out and re-sign Bobby Hart? Well, Anna Rumo came in, and so did Zach Taylor. And Zach Taylor and Anna Rumo both had familiarity with Jimbo Fisher and their staff. They gave him a call and said, all right, you know what? They, they took the word of Jimbo Fisher with Bobby Hart. So it's understandable. We did the re-signing of it there. You know what I mean? So we went out and spent money, and we spent money on guys that it was, it was carelessly. B.W. Webb, uh, you know, and, and whether it be John Miller from the Bills. Of course we signed John Miller from the Bills. We have a great, we have a great dynamic with the Bills organization right now. We do. It's so a- we go out and sign him. So these are three players that we spent a lot of money on. And what did we do this offseason? We cut two of the three. We're giving Bobby Hart the benefit of the doubt. Because if most people look at the stats, Bobby Hart played very well down the stretch. The last four of the games of the season, you didn't hear his name called for penalties. You didn't hear his name called for giving up sacks. He actually played really well down the stretch. Yeah. So they're going to give Bobby Hart the benefit of the doubt. Will they draft another tackle in the draft? Probably. They have to. He'll be someone they go and have sign to. another player in the draft. Because if Bobby Hart falters this year, I think they're going to have to replace him. They're going to have to. Whether it be cut him, put him to the bench, and let him be a swing tackle, you know, a quick replacement, I'm okay with him being a replacement. Am I okay with him being a full-time starter? No. But it's like, you know what? The guard's changing now. You know, Zach Taylor had a full year of the organization. Had a full year to look at the team, offense, defense, special teams. All right, what's working, what's not working? Where can we fill players that can really make a decision? So now they can go in free agency this year, and they've signed players. If you haven't seen DJ Reader play, go on YouTube, bring up his name, and look at his plays. The, the guy oh, is a beast. Yes. He's an absolute. You put him next to Gino. Wait till, you, wait till people get excited this year because I'll tell you one thing. You put those two guys next to each other, as much as I loved, absolutely loved Andrew Billings. I was just going to say I was going to go to Billings. But who, yeah. we've, who we've let go as well, too. Back in the day with Marvin Lewis, trust me, Andrew Billings would have been resigned. 
But this is a new organization. It's a new era. It's a new day. As much as it's 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 so cliche from Zach Taylor. But, but here's the thing, though. With Andrew, I mean, would you have been fine if they brought Andrew Billings back? I thought they were going to bring him exactly. Back. Back. And but look what they did, though. They bring in DJ Reader, who was like I said, the 15th best free agent on the market. They went out and signed him, and I was ecstatic when I saw they signed him because I've seen him play. I've seen what he's capable of. He is a top tier defensive tackle. He's a guy who will be a difference maker. He's a guy that will plug the holes. We're not going to have those guys slip through anymore. It's not going to happen now anymore because now Geno's not going to be able to be double teaming anymore because DJ Reader is going to take that double team away. Wait till people get a chance to see him. You put a defensive line now together of Carlos Dunlap, DJ Reader, Geno, and whether it be Sam Hubbard or my boys Carl Lawson, you've got a very, very formidable defensive line. I can tell you right now, if you look across the NFL landscape, there might be two, maybe three defensive lines in the country, in the NFL that is better than that one. Uh, you're hard-pressed. I mean, to me, you're hard-pressed to find anything, yeah, anything different there on that. I mean, the 49ers, I, yes. Yeah, oh, yeah. 49, Kansas, yeah. Kansas City, maybe, yes, as well. But other than that, there's not many defensive lines that are going to be much better than that. That is a very good defensive line. Yes, but everyone's going to keep saying, well, you did nothing with the linebackers. Well, you know what? You can't always fill every hole because we're not going to do what Cleveland did and call up players and say, all right, you know what? We're going to give you an open check, but we're going to sign you. No, in Cincinnati, we're going to call you up, all right, and say, you know what? Look what we did last year. We're going to rebuild. We're a young team. We're turning the leaf. We're going to build, we're going to build on this. We're young. We're out energetic. We're playing, we're playing together. You know, Cincinnati, yes, we're in the southern, we're in the southern part of Ohio. Right near Kentucky, you know what? We're within hours of Chicago, Indianapolis, Lexington. We're in a, we're we're in a great we're hours from you know many great cities. We're in a great area. It's quick to get to a lot of places, and that right there alone is exciting to players. A lot of players in the NFL are from this area, you know, around this area. So yeah, close to being at home, it's it's huge. And I mean, it's like all right, you know what? This might be a thing I want to be a part of. And that's what free agencies are thinking right now. I mean, Trey Waynes, I mean, here's a guy who was a perennial pro bowler for the Minnesota Vikings, a great player. A player like that is not just going to come to Cincinnati just because, all right, I want money. No, he's exactly. not going to do it. He's not going to do it. He's going to come here because, you know what, he wants to be a part of something great. Now, here's the thing. This isn't – we're still, you know, we're you know still in the midst of free agency. This isn't we're, – we're just a couple we're, days we're, in. We're, we're in Tier 3 and Tier 4 now, which is where you build your team, though. Here's the thing, though. Derek Wolf, still out there. Still out there. He came. He's he visited Cincinnati. Now here's the thing. Say they go out and they sign Derek Wolf, former UC Bearcat. He comes here. Where do you see him fitting in in terms of the line? How do you see that shifting around? See, he's another great rotational player because he can fit in there with with Hubbard going in and out and Carl Lawson going in and out and obviously. Just, you know, he becomes a great rotational player. He won't have to do everything on himself like he would Denver. He was an every-down player with Denver. Would you... Our, 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 play, our defensive line is not every-down players. We're not. We yeah. rotate constantly, which actually helps your players out. How would you... What would you do in terms of, like, okay, say he signs, would you look at moving Hubbard back to linebacker or Lawson to linebacker? Or how would you... Well, if you look at the, if you look at the stats from last year, Sean Williams actually played more more plays last year at linebacker than he did at DB in safety. 
So Sean Williams played a lot of safety last year. So you know what? He could come down and play linebacker as well. But I, I honestly think, you know, Hubbard could go play back, back and play linebacker, but I think they like the rotation, and I think they'll continue with the rotation. So I think he would just come in and be another great rotational player for the defensive line. Yeah, I think, I, in fact, I think if he came here inside, I think he would round out our defensive line. I, I can't argue that. I think it would be uh, – I mean, I, I think that would be perfect, bringing in a guy like Derek Wolf. I mean, he's – you know he's older. He's you know he's had a great you know great career so far. But coming back to Cincinnati, I mean I think I would love it. I think it'd be a great move. It would just be uh, it would be interesting to see how you know how they how they play everything else out now in terms of, like you said tier three. This is where you build your. This is where you really build your team. And this is where I'm curious. And there's some really good free agents still on the market, just because I'm just having to pull it up here as we're talking here. Um, I know we're not going to go out and sign him, but he's still available. Jadavion Clowney's still out there. Yeah. Um, Robbie Anderson, wide receiver. You know what? We were in on DeAndre Hopkins. You know, who's to say the Bengals might not want to go out there and get another wide receiver? What about Brandon Cooks? Brandon Cooks is still out there. He's been mentioned as a possible trade ca- candidate as here as well. Exactly. Um, uh, people are thinking, all right, we need another safety. Von Bell's still out there. Von Bell's another great safety there from New Orleans. Yeah. Um, Snacks Harrison, still available from Detroit there. Uh, trying to think here. Yeah, you mentioned Derek Wolf. He's still out there. Uh, Eric Reed, safety, still available. Um, what do you think about Reed? With, you know, we, we flirted with him before. He came here in Mexico for a visit, actually. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, probably not. Flirted gonna, with him. I don't think not that. Probably not going to want to available, but I mean, um, Jimmy Smith, another cornerback from Baltimore. That's my boy right there from East, Colorado. Still available. Um, the real DBU. Nelson Aguilar from Philadelphia, another USC guy. That's here. a USC guy. He's here available we go. as well. Um, Marcel Darius, defensive tackle, still available as a free agent. Um, but the one guy who's still available out there, number 35 still on the list, um, who I would love the Bengals to resign, is Tyler Eifert. Tight end. Stayed healthy the whole season. I think he deserves to come back. I think he proved he could stay healthy. I don't think he was used as much as they probably could have used him. But I think you know, I, I think it was smart though. Oh, absolutely smart of them. But I mean, there's a lot of good free agents still out there. Um, Philip Dorsett, Carlos Hyde, um, Clayton Gathers, uh, Jordan Reed, Will Parks, Tremaine Johnson from um, the Jets who just cut him. Xavier Rhodes from Minnesota, another cornerback. You know what? We've been on the Minnesota. I was going to say we brought in. We've, yeah, we've been on the kick. You know what I mean? Tremaine Williams from Green Bay is available, but he's you know there's come a couple aging stars out here. But I mean, there's still a lot. I mean, a lot of very very good players. That are out there. And the Bengals have been a team that have been known to be very active on Tier 3 and Tier 4. Yeah, they've, yeah, that, that's been. That's been our bread and butter. Exactly. And I mean, these, a lot of those guys on that list, I mean, are not Tier 3 and Tier 3 4 players. Those guys are pretty much perennial Pro Bowler players that are great players. So it's like, you know, they're still available. And it's like, you know, there's only been a few teams that have been extremely active in free agency. You know, the, the Browns and the Dolphins. The Bills have made a few moves here and there, you know. And, but the Bengals have been one of the most active teams in free agency. If people don't realize what they're doing, they're trying to get better. They're cutting players, you know. They're clearing contracts. They put the tag on AJ, and the only reason the you know AJ had the tag was they're still working on a long term deal with the CBA, but they also need to make a few adjustments still. I mean, I think as soon as the the Bengals, obviously, you know, Andy Dalton is out there in his contract at seventeen million dollars a year. That's got to be removed. Yeah. And then, and we were just talking about this a minute ago, you know, before we started the podcast, um, Drake Kirkpatrick. As much as, you know, we love Dre and everything like that, 
Something's got to be done with Dre. Dre makes $10 million a year. We're now paying Trey Waynes $14 million a year. Not many teams in the NFL have two cornerbacks that make over $10 million a year. The Bengals are not one of those teams. They can't. No, like, so, you just can't. And as much as everyone says, well, you know, they need to restructure the deal. If you don't know who Drake or Patrick is, Dre's not going to restructure that deal. Because Dre now saw what we're paying Trey. So I think both Trey, both, not Trey, but Dre, Dre and Trey, um, <laughs> Dre and you will both, as much as we might hate to say it, is because we wanted to trade both of them away to get some sort of compensation are both going to have to be cut, unfortunately. Well, in terms of Andy, now I've been one, and I will be the first to admit it. I have definitely been an Andy supporter. You and my cousin. I, you know, you know, cousin Dave. My cousin Dave. Cousin Dave. I've been one. I have been a big Andy supporter. I've always felt that Andy, and I, if you go back and listen to you know previous podcasts, I've said Andy's not going to lose you a game, but he ain't going to go out there and win you a game. But Andy Dalton with the right team, he could go out there and he could make you know some significant you know moves and and help a team win 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 games. And that makes a lot of sense. And I mean, most people are saying now. Well, why why don't we why are why are the Bengals not trading him to New England now now that Tom Brady is signed with Tampa? Well, Bill Belichick and Robert Kraft are both smart gentlemen. They know right now that we're sort of stuck because well we got screwed out of they, in Chicago. Oh. Chicago is what killed us because when Chicago went and then traded with Jacksonville for Nick Foles, that took our main landing spot. So, and then when. San Diego comes out and says that, you know what, we're going to move forward with Tyrod Taylor. Well, they're not going to move forward with Tyrod Taylor. They're going to draft a quarterback. We all know it. Everyone knows it. They're going to be Tyrod Taylor as being the bridge gap to the next quarterback. So we lost out there. Could, could you know, feasibly Andy end up in Jacksonville? Yeah. You know what, to be a backup to, you know, or, you know, give, give some competition to Gardner Minshew? Absolutely. But right now, we're sort of stuck with him. And unfortunately... Bill Belichick is probably Bill Belichick would probably wants him. He probably does, but he's thinking, why should I give up a draft pick when I know they're stuck and they're going to end up having to cut him? So they have to give up no compensation. So unfortunately, we're going to be in the same situation with Dre because you know what? Free agency has already started, trade plays have already made, and everything's gone out there. And teams now know that we went out and signed Trey Waynes, and most teams in the NFL don't have two cornerbacks that get paid over ten million dollars a year. They're thinking, you know what? You're gonna to have to cut him to clear to clear the calories, salaries, you know, the salary up to pay AJ and you know, to give him an extended deal. So we're we're two we have two players on our team now right now stuck because we can't trade them. So unfortunately, we're gonna to have to cut them. Thank God with Andy, there's no dead money with Dre. There's only about two point five million dollars if I looked most recently in dead money, which isn't a big cap. But I mean, once we cut him at two point five million dollars a year, I think roughly with the other guys we've cut, we're close to ten million dollars a year in dead money. I mean, Which here, is a lot. That's a ton. And here's the thing. Going into this, I, I, it was hard. You were hard-pressed to see the Bengals trading Dre. It was – the writing was on the wall for the Bengals to cut Dre. That's at least how it looked for me. You know, I've been saying it for months. Well, yeah. Well, uh, what do I always say? Nick knows. Nick knows. Nick knows. 
My God, Nick knows. I, I said two months ago that they were going to cut. I said that as soon as the season was over that John Miller would be cut. And as soon as he got cut, I was I texted you and said, see, I told you this was going to happen. Yeah. You've there's, called. There's there's certain players that you could just – I even said BW Web too. There's a certain players you know that they were going to cut that, that didn't make sense. We said this last year when they signed them. That, well, why did we sign these guys? But like I said, as much as I hated those signings and I was like, you know, man, these guys are garbage. These are garbage. I they actually, had to be done. It had to be done for a reason, and, that, and that's why the past few days I've actually, you know, while I'm laying before I go to sleep, I'm like, well, why, you know, what, what's really going on here? Why were these signings made when they made when they had no problem cutting them? That's when I said, you know what? I sat back and really thought about it before I, you know, jumped off the bridge again. I thought about <laughs> why, you know, why, why did were these players really sign? It's because of the late, the lateness of Zach Taylor. Zach Taylor came over very late in the game and very late in getting getting staff together. It was, you know. And, and, I mean, during this offseason, we've signed a couple other assistant coaches, um, whether it be the linebacker coach we brought over from, from um, the Lions. Yeah. Who's a, who was a, you know, the coach at Temple. Uh, who, what was his name now? I can't remember his name. It was offhand. But, but there was another coach. I got a few daddies yeah, in there yeah, right yeah, now. The brain's not yeah, working there's, as. There's, there's another coach we brought in this offseason, Terry, who's another big name, too. We, he's, he's realizing that the staff that he had last year wasn't the best. So he's making, he's tweaking that as well, too. It takes everybody, you know, a few years to truly get a true staff together that he wants. I mean, the Bengals have never been a team to really truly overpay for assistant coaches. Mike Zimmer was a an exception. But Mike, yeah. Mike Zimmer is going to be an exception on anybody's team. Exactly. You know, and that's one thing. You look at the way the Bengals have handled everything. You have to be, you have to be pretty ecstatic for what we've seen so far. Absolutely. Now... Obviously, like we said for a while, you know, we've only got about about 15 minutes left this podcast here. You know, we look at the way things have gone so far. Again, we've said it, and I've said it. I've, I've said it on blue in the face. Obviously, Mike Brown's not running this team anymore. No, sir. We've seen it's it's a completely different mentality. What would you give the grade? As of right now, we, as we're recording, it is 12.05 a.m. on Saturday March 21st, what grade would you give the Cincinnati Bengals right now at this point in time? For free agency? Yes. I would give them an A. I would, I would, say, I would, I would say an A. At, at, at worst, a B minus. A, B, B, I would say at worst, a B plus. I mean, I would That's say what I meant, B plus is what I meant. The only thing that I could honestly say that would make me happier right now, and maybe it's because I'm a big fan of his, was if the Bengals would not go out and resign Tyler Eifert because he deserves it. Um, he proved he could stay healthy for the season. And I think that I think one more move. I think that would be a great move, even if we sign another, maybe a linebacker as well. Um, I think those I think those would be key moves. I think they'd be great, even if we bring in Derek Wolf to a one year deal. I think Derek Wolf, a linebacker, and Eifert could cap everything off. But they're going to have to address the two other spots. I mean, the Andy Dalton situation has to be addressed. Yeah, and the Drake Patrick. But right now, I give him an A. I like hearing that. Let's head into the draft now. This last segment here about ah, eh, we got we only got about thirteen minutes to talk about it. It's gonna be tough. But the NFL draft, Cincinnati Bengals, number one overall. It's looking like it's going to be JFB, Joe, freaking Burrow, baby. But here's the thing. Obviously, now people are talking the Dolphins want to trade up now and, you know, make the move and trade for the Bengals. Everybody wants Joe Burrow. Exactly. I tell them to pound salt. Bengals are getting Joe Burrow at number one. What do you do after that now? I mean, Joe Burrow, I mean... I mean, I wasn't the biggest fan of Joe, but I mean, but honestly, as more as I watched him late in the season, he's a phenomenal quarterback. You're darn right, he is. JFB he's a phenomenal quarterback probably had the best quarter, probably had the best season in any college quarterback history ever. 
and he's amazing. Um, I was tooting his horn from September on, baby. And, but, I mean, if the Miami Dolphins were to come up and offer us their three first-round picks, a second-round one of the, They also have two second-rounders, too. They're a second-rounder and a pick next year. We would be dumb to say no. As much as I want Joe Burrow, the Bengals would be dumb to say no. But here's what you know: what a lot of draft capital. It is. You're right, but I would still say no, because I think passing on Joe Burrow. I, oh my! Oh my God! I don't even want. To, I don't have enough natties on I, me right I, now I, to I even. Know, I know Shane. To cope with it right he's now, he's such a great quarterback, and passing on him would be extremely tough. But to give that much amount of draft capital would be tough to do. But. You're let's, correct. I, that I, I don't disagree I, with. But I personally think that the Bengals are set on him. So let's say, all right, the Bengals, all right, you know, April 25th comes up. Pick number one, Joe Burrow. Absolutely 100%. Now like you just questioned me, round number two. 33. Pick 33. We're the, we're the top pick of every single round. Round Which, two, like you three, said, is eight, what? It's pretty much, I mean, round two, you're pretty much a player that should have been drafted in round one. Exactly. And it's fallen out in, in, in round two. And same thing, round three, you're a player that should have gone in round two. Fell into round three. And so on and so forth. It's a domino effect. Round two, it really depends on the way the draft goes. Jordan Love's going to be huge in this round um, and a few other players. But now that the, some teams have made some addresses, some issues with, I mean, New Orleans Saints now draft, you know, picking up Emmanuel Sanders tonight. A lot of team, a lot of you know, analysts had him. I was going to say. To pick a receiver. That, well, you that, know, that, this opens up a lot of opportunity. Um Right now, today, if I would say, all right, where are the Bengals going to go in round two? Uh, depending on what happens there, if one of the best linebackers are still available, without a doubt. If Kenneth Murray is still there available from Oklahoma, you run the card to the draft. You run it. But if Murray's yeah. off the board, and probably he's, he's probably going to He'll be to off game. the board. Let's be um, honest. He'll be off. The linebacker from uh, Wisconsin, too. I can't think of what his name is offhand, but the linebacker from Wisconsin, if his names are available, you run it up there. But those two gentlemen are both, both going to be gone. So you know what, round two, for availability, you got to do it. You got to go with the best player available, and you know what, you got to go with the playmaker. Because Zach Keller is all about offense. You got to go with a Denzel Mims, which a lot of mock drafts have him coming there. I'm great with this. Or if Denzel Mims is off there, you know what? Because here's as the thing. Yeah, I, I see Denzel Mims being gone by that time. They're talking an absolute. I mean, this is going to be a flurry of wide receivers yeah. taken in that first round. As much as I would love Denzel Mims, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I just, I, I don't see it happening. My God, if he's there, okay, say he's there, and one of the top linebackers is there. You know, what do you do then? If you've got Denzel Mims and you have one of the top linebackers there, what do you do? Okay, now are we talking one of the top linebackers? Are we talking? Are we talking Kenneth Murray? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we'll say that a couple guys have fallen in the draft. You know, hypothetically, because that's what you know. If Kenneth Murray's still on the board and Denzel Mims, Kenneth Murray has to be the draft. Yes, because we're so light at linebacker. And I would right say now. that addresses a need it, right it there immediately. It's, yep. it, it's not only is it would be not only would it be best player available, it would fill a need. That right there is a no brainer. Right there. It's best player available, and it's, and it's a position in need. Yeah. That's a no-brainer. What if Kenneth Murray's gone? If Kenneth Murray's gone and the linebacker from Wisconsin's gone too? Well, I can't think of what his name is offhand. I, I know. I can't. Yeah, I, I can't. I'll have to look him up. But the linebacker from Wisconsin, if both those if both those guys are gone, Denzel Mims is, 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 a, is a slam dunk. But most people are saying Mims is gone. 
the guy who's dropping down the draft boards, and you know what, because of injuries you've talked about in the past, but if he's still available, it's boomer bust, especially with that. And Zach Taylor's a guy who likes boomer bust. He likes John Ross, and you know how I feel about John Ross. Oh, um, boy, yep, oh, boy. Your, is your friend and your gentleman from the University of Colorado. LaVisca Chenault, baby. If he's available there and, you know, Murray's gone, our friend, you know, Denzel Mims is gone, and the other linebacker from Wisconsin, Chenault's got to be the pick. I, mean, I, I personally think Chenault would be a great pick. You know what? Yeah, the injury history might bite there. If you know, but this is that's boom, what scares me. This is a boomer bust pick. You know what? Because you know what? We're really trying to improve with our receiver core and everything like that. And honestly, oh, he helps. He helps. So, you oh, know, what the, does he help he, out? He would be huge because you know what? He adds a different dynamic. Obviously, we have right next year. Obviously, we're, we're, we're banking on AJ being healthy. Yeah. So you got AJ Green. We still have Tyler Boyd. We have my guy John Ross. We have a lot of guys. You know who's everyone's huge on right now? Auden Tate. Um, Auden Tate's been looking Auden amazing. freaking if, if, Tate, if, baby. If you don't look at Auden Tate, go on Instagram and look him up. The guy's in phenomenal shape. He looks absolutely amazing. I think he'll be. I think he'll be massive next year with AJ. And you know, then we have you know the last guy I can think of on our wide receiver core would be you know Chris's guy there, Alex Erickson. You know, very reliable. Yeah, you got that right. That we've only named five receivers. Most teams have a six receiver, so a six receiver could be clutch. And I think you know Chanel, he wouldn't have to do much during year one. Well, here's the thing: if you draft Lavisca Chanel to come in, he's not going to be he's not going to be playing over at this point in time. He's not over AJ. No. He's not over Tyler Boyd. Nope. I mean, would you say over Auden Tate? Probably not. Probably not. In terms of draft-wise, yes. I mean, just because... He, he is a second-round draft pick. He's so a second-round pick. So he's going so to have to play. But, but I mean, know, he's a guy who would have to come in and play. But he would be a safe pick as well, too. And I hate using the word safe, especially with a Seth Ferron draft pick, because yeah. you got to look from this perspective. Let's say AJ doesn't get, you know, gets not resigned for a long-term deal this year. He plays the whole year on the franchise tag. Um, the Bengals did not pick up the fifth-year option on John Ross. So we have two guys essentially playing on their last year of their deal. So technically we can use another receiver. So it would be a safe pick as well, too. We would have another guy guaranteed to be with us for another four years. You know what? I think there's a good chance that if we take Chenault, there's a good chance. I know two jerseys I'm getting this year, JFB JFB. and Chenault, I can tell you right now. But I think, you know. Or if Derek Wolf signs too. That'd be three three jerseys. Good old old Derek Wolf, Def Woo, baby. Oh, man, I love Derek. I love me some Derek Wolf. But, you know. But the moral of the story we're talking about right now is, I mean, we're talking about these great moves the Bengals can be making, the great moves we made in free agency. Um, we make and like I said, as much as people don't want to talk about these types of moves, the cuts are key moves. People is that as much as you don't want to talk about people getting cut, this just proves the Bengals are a team that are not aren't Mike Brown's Bengals anymore. Exactly, they, these moves these, aren't being made. These because Mike Brown does not like to spend money for guys that are gone. And I mean, there's probably if you go look at it online, people. I mean, go look at it online. There's probably seven players right now we have on that are on our cap. For dead money, and they're no longer on our roster. Mike Brown hates to do that. Spend money for guys who are no longer with the organization. We've got seven, eight, maybe nine guys. It's up there. I mean, I, I don't know the number offhand, but this proves that Katie Blackburn would rather pay dead money than paying a contract that's being overpaid to an individual who's not being successful. Exactly. And that is something that we have seen from this team and this organization 
over the last, I'd say, two years that has shown a complete shift mentality-wise of what we have seen in the past. And people this should be not, Everybody should be excited. Exactly. I know 2-14, and 14, a lot of people were crapping on me, you know, for thinking that the I, – I, for one, thought the Bengals were going to be a hell of a lot better than 2-14. and 14. I, was, I was thinking 10-6. and six. I, you know, but I, but what do we say, though? And I, we talked about – They could be 10-6, and six, but they could also be 4-12. and 12. Exactly. That's, you know, there was – you know, if things played out the way, you know, we thought they would – but you know, I mean, they but, could, there was that variance there. But, but I mean, the, I mean, I know we got like four minutes left here, real fast. But I mean, the the Seattle, the first game of the season, and we'll just touch on this real fast. The first game of the season, if they win that game, that that, could, that changes the whole dynamic of the season. You're one or no, exactly. It changes the whole upbeat tick of the game. And there was a lot of games that were like that. The Buffalo game was really, really close. Oh yeah, the Buffalo, season. yeah, Buffalo, Seattle, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh. There was a lot of games that were really close. And there were games that were late in the season that were close. This team could have been very close to being an eight and eight team for a team that struggled all year with different areas. Oh yeah, they they did, and it was, you know, but again, we knew. I think as things played out a little more, we knew roster wise, we saw what. I think I guess I, I'll say real quick I was guilty of living in the past in terms of what we saw from this team and what we you know expected moving forward. Now nobody expected AJ to be for down for the whole season. Exactly, but I look at this team now and what they've done. I mean, they've made some moves, and there's a couple more moves that can be made and should be made, and probably will be made. Exactly, that I think really shift the momentum for this team. Moving forward into 2020, you know, it's this is going to be, you know, this is going to be a lot of fun to watch and something Abs- definitely. Absolutely. You know, and obviously with the draft, we'll, you know, we will definitely be, uh, you know, we'll be in on, you know, doing a definitely a, a draft podcast. You know, it's been kind of obviously everything, you know, with everything going on here. But um, the draft's like a month away. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Here we are. We're March. We're, we're March twenty first. March twenty first. NFL's already announced. It is going to go on. The NFL draft's going to go on. They didn't say exactly how it's going to happen, but it's not going to happen in Las Vegas. We we already know that. Too many yeah. people. Um, obviously, but it is going to go on. Whether it be you know telecast live on TV, you know they do you know live stream videos, but it's going to go on. It is going to go on. So you can expect another podcast from us. Now, obviously, with you know, with the way things are going here, the next, uh, I would say we're not going to be doing much in the next couple, you know, definitely the next few weeks. But uh, as always, uh, you know, make sure you continue to check us out. You can follow me on Twitter at I am Chris Asbrock. You can check us out at uh, FTI Sports on Twitter. Do you want to dish out your? Uh, oh yeah, I'm at, I'm at Cincy ZZ uh, on Twitter as well. So make sure you check us all out. And again, we will be back. Like I said, you know, depending on what you know how things are playing out. Um, you know, we'll we'll definitely be back with a uh, uh, with the draft podcast, and you know, I'm looking to get some articles going here for the you know <laughs> for the website. So make sure you check us out. We definitely got time on our hands right now. Exactly, plenty of time. So as always, you know, here look, you know, less than a minute left of this show. Make sure you know, obviously, with everything going on, stay safe. You know, be smart about everything. Obviously, you social know, distancing, people. Please, exactly, please, please. Exactly, it's just one of those things. Got to be smart about it. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to this episode. We will be back again here shortly with another episode as we head for 
the NFL draft, which is going to be just amazing in this era of new sports. So yeah, people should be excited for this draft. We are the first pick in every single round. I mean, people don't realize what big and huge that can be for us. I mean, it's massive. It is. It is massive. So as always, guys, thank you so much for your support and checking us out. And everybody, again, stay safe and have a fantastic rest of your spring, summer. Heck, we don't know. And weekend. Exactly. Take care, guys. Thank you.